0: Welcome to the BC Buckets Podcast. I'm Matt Gall, joined by Mark Figuera, head men's basketball coach for the Briarcliff University Chargers. Remember to follow us on Twitter at BC BCBucketsCast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and include your thoughts and questions. Uh, this is only our second podcast, but we already have some great listener emails coming in that we'll get to a little bit later. So if there's something you want to know about, make sure that you let us know. So uh, there's something that's kind of come up that I wanted to get your thoughts on a little bit, because my son has soccer practice tonight, and we just had his first flag football game yesterday. So we're kind of in the heart of fall sports, and he's six years old, about to be seven years old. And we're kind of already starting to feel this weird pressure to get him involved with a lot of different things. And and believe it or not, he'll actually be able to start some club traveling teams next year for for soccer and, and probably some other sports. But I know where we've just started, the college and high school football season, you're starting to see a lot of scores roll in, And I know I went to a small high school uh, up in northwest Iowa, and there were a lot of multi-sport athletes uh, because we had to because of numbers, but uh, also because, you know, as a high school, I think it's important to get involved with a lot of different things. But I know that's a hot topic right now because a lot of probably your recruits are playing football right now. And what's, what's been your view on multi-sport athletes in high school?
1: Well, I'm a big fan of it, you know, and looking at it from my perspective as a college basketball coach, I actually really like bringing guys into our program that were multi-sport athletes, you know, for a couple of reasons. Number one, those guys have played for a lot of different coaches, you know, over their high school career, and so they've seen a lot of different styles, different philosophies, different personalities from coaches. um, Instead of just, maybe one basketball coach or one football coach, depending on what the sport is. And I also think the second thing here is that when a kid is going from football to basketball to track to baseball, if you are a four-sport athlete, but even if you're not, you're going from season to season. And when you do that, you never can put 100% of your time, effort, focus, intensity into one sport. And when you get to college, you're going to be able to do that. And so I think your ceiling maybe is a little bit higher. And I think the ascent to get to that ceiling can be a little bit quicker as well. And, and some of the really good players we've had over my time at Briarcliff the last seven, eight years have been multi-sport athletes. Now, I'll flip that on end. It's not the be-all, end-all, because we've had some outstanding players who were strictly basketball players too. Um, but the majority of our guys probably have been multi-sport athletes. I think it's good. And, and you talked about you know you came from a small school and I think it's probably more of a necessity at smaller schools that you came from I came from a little bit bigger school we had about 900 students at my high school and maybe didn't have quite as much of that um maybe some more guys who were singularly focused well and you know it it's coming into a small college
0: then which you know is what Briarcliff is comparatively to some others there's an opportunity to participate in a lot of Different things including like intramural sports and those sorts of things So does that philosophy change a little bit once they're on campus and they've got you know responsibilities to your program as far as getting involved with intramurals or or Going out and, and playing ultimate frisbee or whatever it is that guys want to do in their spare time
1: Yeah, we talk to our guys a lot about when you're a member of a college program Whatever sport it is, you know first and foremost your academics need to be a priority but from there Any kind of intramurals, anything like that needs to take a back seat. And and honestly, I'm a little skeptical of our guys playing intramurals because of the chance of injury, Mm -hmm. you know, and that obviously would not be a good situation. Off season, you know, they can do whatever they want. We try to give our guys, especially in the spring, a little time off, time away from basketball, away from myself, you know, just refresh yourself a little bit and whatever that is, go do it. Right, yeah. Um, You know, and and from a multi-sport perspective in college, it's really hard. You know, and we've had some guys in our program that maybe they ran track when our season was over. They played golf. Uh, but it's really hard to do, bo- to do multiple sports, especially with basketball, because our season's so long. You know, we'll start doing basketball-specific workouts this week, and hopefully our season goes through mid-March. You know, and that overlaps literally every other sports right, season. Right. And so it's really hard. It's certainly people who have done it. People who have been really successful doing it. Um, I do think it takes a pretty special mentality and focus and drive to be able to do something right. like that at the college level yeah yeah and you know as a parent like I said I'm, I'm talking a little bit as a parent
0: and I've got two little kids a six-year-old and a, a five-year-old and you think you have a philosophy on, on how you want your kids to you know find things that they're good at and, and you know there's certainly things that as a, a dad I want my both my kids to hopefully participate in but you find that there's things they want to do and then you find that there's things that they're good at and those aren't always necessarily the same thing so it's kind of a it's been a real I guess eye-opening experience to now that I have kids who are old enough to start to be in those positions to feel out a few different things to want to encourage them to pursue a lot of different things but also hey you're good at something you've Clearly got a talent here. That's something we want you to foster if if they want to do
1: that. So I don't. I'm not really asking you to to comment on that, but it's just well. And and I'm and I'm the worst person to ask for parenting advice. So <laughs>
0: um,
1: probably a good idea on your part. Yeah, but no,
0: I, I appreciate that information, and uh, you know certainly good luck to any and all high school students out there who are listening to this and are in the middle of their season. And you know I'll throw in a quick pitch for Coach Figueroa. If if there's something uh, you're looking to do basketball wise, you you know where to find us. So. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you know we talked about fall sports and and obviously participation in those but you guys certainly are busy right now participating in team conditioning, uh, and strength training and in some of the preseason things that you guys do and I'm sure students on campus have seen the team uh, out and about uh, probably running around campus and, and in the weight room and how is fall strength and conditioning going?
1: Well, it's been really good so far as we as we talk right now we're in the fourth week of school. Um, and like I said, this is the first week we'll do basketball-specific workouts. Per NEI rules, this is the first week we're going to start doing that. Um, so our guys have spent a lot of time in the weight room the last few weeks. Our strength coach, Coach Herc, does an unbelievable job with our guys. hes uh, I'll tell anybody this. He's been a secret to the success of our program in what he does in the weight room. And number one, he really pushes our guys. He takes a no-nonsense approach. There's no BS going on over there. His priority is let's get better. And... And so that's been great because I know the accountability they have in the weight room is no different than what we expect on the basketball floor. Uh, Number two, he does a great job of sports-specific is such a maybe overused term. But Coach Herc knows basketball. He understands basketball. He also knows what we need from a strength and conditioning standpoint. Part of that's the way we play. Part of it's the, the body types we have. And he does a really good job of increasing strength, explosiveness, athletic ability maybe. Um, And he does a great job of that. So our guys are pushed in a way that's going to help them in basketball. And I think the other thing he really does is he does individualize from guy to guy. He doesn't take a one-size-fits-all in how he coaches our guys. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's really good. Um, And with that, he's also really good with nutrition. I don't know that our guys always heed his advice. But that guy knows his stuff when it comes to nutrition, how to eat, when to eat, what to eat, you know, and and so that's just a great resource for our players to have. And I, I can't say enough about the job he and his staff do preparing our guys for the season. And beyond that, we lift twice a week during the season. And so just maintaining that strength, making sure we're recovering properly the day after a game, you know, again, like I said, I can't say enough good things about Coach Hirk and what he does for our program from a conditioning aspect. As you know, as an alum, we're blessed at Briarcliff to have a plethora of hills to run. And so we we've done that a couple times, you know, guys probably not the most popular day of the year for my approval ratings. Um but you know, and and I have a little bit different philosophy on conditioning, especially early in the year, where I don't think we need to do it all the time. I don't think we need to try to kill our guys, you know, for me, I want to see just where we're at, I want to see maybe once in a while how hard we can push some guys, within reason, obviously. But really, I've been impressed collectively down the line in our program how good of shape we're in right now. And that's encouraging as a coach to see that our guys put in some work over the summer, they didn't come in out of shape. Um, you know. So that's really nice. And, and the other thing, I don't want our guys in the best shape they can be in right now. We have a long season ahead of us. Like I said, we'll start this week hopefully go through mid-March, we need those guys to be able to sustain that level of conditioning mm-hmm. throughout the year because if we're really good in December but we really start to tail off in January, February, well, things are not going to go good and we might not be playing into mid-March. Right. You know? And so I want to make sure everything we do is a progression that leads us down the road looking at late February, early March when we really need to be at our best. Are we in our best shape and can we, can we push some guys minute-wise and all that? And that's kind of how we go about strength conditioning right now.
0: Coach Herc, I know you talked about the work he's done with your team, but I was at the opening uh, football game a few weeks ago, and he's the best hype man I think you can have on your sideline getting the guys ready to go. Any chance you can get him on the bench for some of your games?
1: You know, it's interesting you bring it up because he and I have talked about that, and I told him I'm all for it any time. I also need to be cautious of his time. He puts in a lot of time. He works with every single athlete at Briarcliff, and I know he works some long days and some crazy hours, and I don't want it to be a situation where he thinks he has to be here for every single basketball game. Certainly would never expect him to travel with us. But at the same time, in terms of getting our guys physically prepared, and even to a point mentally prepared, and how he can warm them up and get them loose and ready to go, it'd certainly be an asset.
0: How long has he been? around or working with your team if
1: i'm not mistaken this is his fourth year okay years start to run together for me but i'm pretty sure this is his fourth full year at Briarcliff. cliff
0: okay. so that's been good too having yeah. some consistency and absolutely yeah, and you mentioned the hills i think every program here uses those hills but i just got to think in 1932 we had to have some of the best well-conditioned nuns on the face <laughs> of the planet there's no doubt about that yeah yeah, and hopefully you know they they had uh, sports in mind when they picked the location. So, uh, so we'll we'll turn a little bit from fall strength and conditioning, and talk a little bit more about the. Uh, roster the upcoming roster and i know it's still early and you're evaluating a lot of different things with a lot of uh, guys but we'll talk about who we've got coming back this year and then maybe just talk a little bit about the recruiting process and the recruiting class in general but each year you've been able to bring in a lot of of freshmen into the class what does the process look like to get those guys acclimated and how important is it for your upperclassmen to help bring them along
1: I think that's the most important part of it, is, is how those new guys in the first couple weeks, first month of school, interact with our returners. and that can be sophomores, that could be seniors. I want them to feel a part of our family from the get-go. And we're fortunate that our, our older guys, our returners, have done a great job of that. You know It's not uncommon to walk in the cafeteria and see a couple seniors with four or five freshmen sitting there, and I think that's a credit to our guys and, and the culture they' built in our program. And the family atmosphere they promote within the program um but i think that's the most important time maybe is that first month five to six weeks where they feel a part of something even when we're not doing basketball workouts Mm -hmm. like i said you know the first three weeks we did really nothing basketball related at least that was mandatory they play on their own and they can shoot on their own but the older guys really set the tone for how that culture is going to be and how (laughs) we're going to Integrate new players, you know, because like you mm-hmm. said, we have a lot of new guys We have 17 freshmen right on our roster right now and and I think 16 returners So the returners are actually the minority, but we've got some great leadership within that returning group um, and guys that have really helped build the culture and, and foster that culture throughout their time here.
0: I was When I was looking at the recruiting class, I was excited to see some some talent from Extreme Northwest Iowa up in Lyon-O'Brien County area, uh, seeing us get some of those guys. Because I, I went to Spalding Catholic High School in Granville, which sure. no longer has a high school, but... Every year for districts, we'd always get paired up with a, a northern team. So we were always getting stomped first round of districts by George Little Rock or Boyden Hall or, or Okoboji or somebody up there. Who else? Whoever was having a, a good year, it seemed like, is who we'd always get matched up against. But I know there's a, a ton of basketball talent up there, and it's, it's nice to, to get those kids down here.
1: For sure. And I'm going to get off topic real quick. You have a high school that no longer exists, and I went to a college that no longer exists. So, you know, you and I might be a little kindred spirits in, yeah. in that way. Um, right. But you're definitely right. Northwest Iowa basketball, when I got to Briar Cliff in 2011, I'd heard a lot about it. I went to college, played with a couple guys from Northwest Iowa, and they always talked about, you know, the Siouxland Conference, you know, the War Eagle Conference. It, it's awesome. You know, the basketball is so crazy. And I always kind of took it with a grain of salt. You know, I had my Omaha bias. I grew up playing great basketball in Omaha. And then one of the first high school games I went to in my time at Briar Cliff was Western Christian at Lamar's, Right, you know, a huge lakes conference showdown in Lamar's old gym. And it, I saw what they were talking about right. that night, yep. and and people in this area are crazy about basketball. You know, Sioux City is no different in that regard, and the people who support our program are no different um, in that. This is a basketball area, and I think Iowa is a basketball state. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would I would expand that out of Northwest Iowa. And talk about the amount of players we've had from all areas of the state over the past seven, eight years that have been outstanding players. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not really a region that we haven't had a really good player from. And that speaks to how good the basketball is in Iowa. And it's obviously you look at our roster, it's very Iowa dominated, you know, and that's that's because I think if we can get some of the best players from Iowa we can have a pretty good chance at success at Briarcliff.
0: Yeah, bringing up Spalding, that brings back some memories of slamming into the brick wall that was about three feet off of the baseline in the gym. There wasn't a lot of room to, to uh, move around.
1: Well, I have to admit I was never in Spalding Catholic High School, so I have no clue what you're talking <laughs> oh, about, man. but okay. there's nothing Nick I love Nelson more th-
0: knows. Ask Nick i think he's got some we'll
1: ties. bring him on the show sometime yeah. and we can talk northwest iowa gyms absolutely because there's nothing i love more than a unique old high school gym oh yeah and, and the new ones that are built they're awesome and they're glamorous and this and that when it comes down to it give me an old school 1950s gym with tight baselines and student section right on top of you for my money it's no better
0: oh yeah hinton had a great gym when i was playing uh Clay Central Everly up in uh, Royal, Iowa. They had right? one
1: of the best nicknames for a long time. I think they changed it now. They're the Mavericks now. They used to be the Cattle Feeders. Okay. I know right. that because my college basketball coach is an alum. Oh, okay. And uh, right. so Cattle Feeders, great nickname.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how do you feel overall about the recruiting class you brought in? Do you feel like they filled some gaps? Because just talking a little bit about guys that graduated, uh, I want to talk about them real quick. Uh, we had Blake Wilgen. Uh, who was uh, a hard nosed defender a guy who who brought a lot to the post and I think a guy that surprised some people when he kind of came out of nowhere to to be such a strong defender but also a very <laughs> capable sc- post scorer um, Josh Belling, who is a, a physical mismatch uh, a lot of people might not know this but I mean he shot over forty percent from three great shooter. Uh, Dylan Janicek, who's another hustle guy, intense defender type of guy on the court who, who will get 75% of the 50-50 balls just out of pure hustle. Maybe 90. Maybe 90. And then uh, you had uh, Betts, who was just a great energy guy and the type of leader that you need. Uh, and he really embraced his role you know, of, of being the guy who was on the sideline most of the time. But uh, he was there for his teammates. And when you needed him on the court, he'd be there too. So you had to fill some of those holes. And obviously, you're going to ask some of your returners to do that, but you're certainly always preparing for the future. So what's your sense of these guys coming in? What types of skills do you see that that they're going to bring?
1: Well, I think if you look at this group of guys, and like I said, there's 17 of them. You look at them as a collective group, I think first and foremost, it's a talented group. A lot of guys who were all state or, at minimum, all region type players in high school. Um, You talk about a bunch of winners. I believe nine of them played in their respective state tournaments. One of them won a state championship. Um, you know. And so having guys like that coming into the program that have come from successful high school programs, that have had individual success, I think that fits well with what we've done. And at the end of the day, if you know how to win, that's a huge attribute. And that's something that I don't think you can really teach as a coach. And if you already have that when you get here to Briarcliff, all the better you know i think it's a versatile group it's pretty guard heavy which is probably no surprise to a lot of people because of the way we play we play pretty guard heavy um you know and it's like i said i think it's talented i think there's some guys that are going to have the opportunity to help us pretty quickly if not right away you know but at the same time as a coaching staff we really haven't been on the floor with them yet and you learn a lot when that happens in terms of how fast does a freshman pick something up that we're doing? How does a freshman respond when they're having a bad day or they deal with some adversity or something as simple as how do they respond when I yell at them the first time? You know, you just don't know those things. And when we do, we're going to know a lot more. And, you know, a few weeks from now, you and I might be having a different conversation and, and, and all that, but I'm really excited about this group from a personality standpoint. They've been awesome. You know, there's some huge personalities in the group, which is fun. Um, and I, Some people would say I have a pretty big personality, so I think I generally gravitate towards people like that and like being around people like that. But they've been awesome so far. I think from a character standpoint, they've been outstanding. And uh, we're excited to get rolling with them and, and see what they have.
0: Obviously, there's going to be a huge uh, change just in the pace and, and the uh, physical play of, of transitioning to college basketball. And I know, obviously, with strength and conditioning, they're starting to get a taste of maybe how, how much more intense it might be than it was coming from high school. But are there ways you can simulate the intensity of a college basketball game early before you know you even get into practice?
1: Well, I think it starts in the weight room. And like I already said, Coach Hurt. He pushes the guys, and it's an intense workout every time they're over there, and they're held accountable to make sure they're giving it their all. So I think that definitely helps. Um, As we get going here and we get into practice in a couple weeks, I think our guys would tell you our practices are pretty intense. We really get after it. We simulate a lot of game situations, and that's not the same as in the moment in front of a couple thousand people. But you put them in those situations and see how they can react when there's a little bit of pressure on the line, even if it's for something as simple as you have to run a couple up and backs so if you lose a drill, right. but you see who the competitors are, you see who really thrives under those circumstances, and that's fun to see, you know. And I, I think every freshman has a moment in their freshman year where they figure out college basketball, and it, it's different for everybody, you know. And every guy has a something different that's the big adjustment for them whether it's the pace of play like you brought up whether it's the physicality of play the intensity the amount of information that coaches are relaying to them and when you figure that out i think college basketball is pretty easy the hard part's figuring that out
0: right well and and so switching over to what you are bringing back and i know you're a coach and what you're going to say is that you know every season's a new season and you got to look at your makeup of players and and Uh, Kind of figure things out from square one in a way. But that said, you know, I think anyone who's followed the program understands there's some exciting things coming back. And and to talk about that, you've got uh, over 60 points a game, uh, over 70% of your offense coming back uh, this winter, three of your top four rebounders, and four of your top five scorers. So even though you lost, you know, some really important guys that I talked about just a minute ago. There is some excitement about the guys you have coming back, Um, the Erdmans, Wolves, Lambs. I mean, you could go down the list. There's just a lot of talent on your squad this year. So looking at what you have coming back, have you seen – you know, some growth over the summer where some of those guys are maybe adding a new wrinkle to their game and not to give anything away to any opposing coaches who might be listening here to this. But, you know, returners, you're looking for a lot of growth in those guys too. So what are some good things you've seen?
1: For sure. You know, and you and I talked about our summer last time and a lot of guys, it's one, maybe even it's a little thing that we're really trying to refine or improve or add to their game. And I've been pleased with, some of our top returners and, and how they approached that and how they improved what we were trying to work on and you, you talk about the scoring, obviously you know Erdman Wolf Lamb those guys scored a ton of points for us last year and and Eric Eric Erdman as a senior now is a, a two time third team All American, Jay Wolf was an honorable mention All American last year, Jackson Lamb was a second team All Gpac guy and then. The guy who was our sixth man for most of the year, Ethan Friedel, going into his sophomore year, he was an honorable mention all GPAC players, a freshman, which that's not all that easy to do, you know, and he was a pretty volatile scoring threat for us off the bench last year. Um, you think back to the, the Sweet 16 game against St. Thomas, he was a leading scorer with 25 points, right. you know, and he kind of early in that game when he came in. We already had a little bit of a lead, but he almost single handedly really extended the lead for us and set the tone for the rest of the game. You know, so you talk about those four guys and, and, and I'm pretty excited about our guard court, you know. I certainly don't think anything will come easy for us this year, you know, without giving you too much coach talk B S. But it it but that's the truth. You know, the reality is we play in one of, if not the best NAI conferences in the country. Every single night, you're gonna be challenged, especially on the road. No one's gonna lay down for you and let you beat them it just doesn't work that way and the fact is we've had some success the last few years and i think to a certain degree we have a target on our back because of it and, and i i have no problem with that we're not going to run from that you know and i think the leadership we have and, and especially eric erdman jay wolf those guys as seniors have played for four years now you know and been a part of some really good teams they know what it takes and i can really lean on lean on those guys as a coach to take care of the intensity of practice, to take care of how we communicate on the floor. And that's a luxury as a coach. Anybody who's coached will tell you that I think, you know, but to have those two guys setting the tone is unbelievable. You know, and then you talk about those are the four guys. You mentioned we have four of our top five scores back, and those are the four I just mentioned. You know, Erdman, Wolf, Lamb, Friedel, But we have some other guys back that we're kind of excited about. Nick is a senior, a guy who played a little bit a year ago. Actually Started our first game of the year and had a pretty bad ankle injury that knocked him out for a handful of weeks And just we really couldn't get him back in the rotation a whole lot But he's a guy who had a great summer going into his senior year Jeffrey Dobinson's another senior who he's played his whole time kind of been a Sometimes he played sometimes he didn't very reliable very dependable But he had a great summer going into his senior year as well. So we're excited about him, you know And then we have some other guys That we'll see we have some guys that maybe need to step up from year one or two to year two or three. You know, Austin Ropeman comes to mind, was our backup five man last year as a freshman. And I think Austin's expanded his game in the off season. I think he's more confident. He was a very efficient scorer around the basket for us. You know, so we're expecting some big things from him this year. And then there's probably five, six other guys, and we're not going to go through them one by one, that are going to have a great chance to help us in some way, shape, or form. And, and that's exciting to see guys like that step up that maybe didn't play right away as a freshman or sophomore you know you look at last year's class look at Blake Wilchin. you brought him up a little bit ago didn't play till he was a junior Josh Belling Dylan Janicek Jared Betts didn't play till they were seniors and having guys like that in the program as returners that understand the culture that thrive in the culture and then get their chance and run with it I think that's so awesome to see. And, and like I said, it goes beyond that last year's class. We've had a ton of guys who really thrived as seniors over the last four or five years, and, and I expect nothing less this year.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I know anyone who follows the program is going to be excited. Certainly, there's going to be expectations, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on uh, once you know, we kind of have an idea of how conference pre-rankings and those things might sort out. But uh, I know a lot of, a lot of people. Excited to see where things go. So I know you're at least I think you're a fan of psychology and and you like to to analyze things.
1: Well, I think I'm definitely analytical, and I I would call myself a fan of psychology. Okay. You know, I don't I don't know all the fancy words that I can't pronounce about it, but uh, I think as a coach you have to have a little bit of a background with that and understanding of what makes makes people click. You know, so. Let's I think I know where you're going, and I like it.
0: Let's put you to the test. Yeah, we talked about doing this, and, and I didn't tell you we were going to do this, so maybe I'll catch you a little bit off guard here. But let's do a little word association, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a name or, or something else, some idea or, or place or person, and I just want to one word what first comes to mind when you think of this. To kind of give you, an, give our listeners an idea of where your head's at. I
1: love that? it. Let's do it. So
0: let's start. Let's just start by talking about maybe some of those guys. Uh, Jackson Lamb. Energetic. Nick Lutmer. Tough. Newman Flanagan Center. Awesome. Coach Herc. Stud. Bobby Beach Patterson. Reliable. Honest Bobby Beach Patterson. Overrated. <laughs> Eric Erdman. Leader. Jay Wolf. Stud. Ethan Friedel. Excitable. Jeff Dobbinson. Steady. Coach Ron Schultz.
1: I hate to use the same one twice, but steady is perfect for Ron Schultz as well.
0: If it works, it works.
1: G Pack grueling,
0: graduate assistant Chris Davis,
1: strong in convictions, and is I know that that's one not word one right? word i don't have a great uh synonym for that though if you have one this, hey, this let is me know i'll use it
0: this is not uh, English or math, so we're good, best thing served at the calf,
1: buffalo chicken wrap, no doubt there, and I knew that was going to uh. Trip your trigger a little bit. I was actually over there last week, and they had it. It was a great day for me.
0: For me, or just let me know. Is it still Wednesdays? It used to be Wednesdays that they would serve those for lunch. Well, we're
1: going to have to defer to Bobby. He eats over there every day or almost every day. Is that right, Bobby? Wednesdays? Wednesdays, okay. So maybe you and I need to discuss the next episode on a Wednesday in the cafeteria and have a buffalo chicken wrap. You know, I might just take
0: you up on that. So if any students are listening to this and you have an extra guest pass for the cafeteria that you can send my way, please do that. So, now we're going to try a couple new segments here that we're going to try to do every episode of the BC Buckets podcast. And those are getting to listener emails and shout outs, as well as some shout outs from myself and Coach Figuera. We have Jake Built to thank for this first question. Thanks, Jake, for sending this into us. And this one's for Coach Figuera Coach, if you could put four WWE or WCW entrances. Up on the Mount Rushmore, which
1: ones would they be? That's a great question. That's a great question. And a First
0: of all, does that mean you, you're a fan?
1: Let's say I was a fan back in the 90s as I was growing up. Um, I can't say that I'm a, I follow it anymore at this okay. point, but I was a huge fan. And one of my favorite things about WWF or WCW was the entrance songs. I'm a music lover. I loved the pageantry of it and the theatrics of it and just to give you a little background on this question jake was one of our student coaches for a handful of years if i'm not mistaken 2012 through 15 and he and i along with one of his classmates zach Odding, had numerous discussions about 90s wrestling and so that's where this comes from and it's it's a pretty easy answer for me first and foremost you have to have the wolf pack i think that's the best song The Howling Wolf to start, awesome. You know, they had their own little hand.
0: Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, is that right? Scott
1: Hall, um, Buff Bagwell. Okay, yeah. You know, they split from NWO and created their own wolf pack. You know, when when Hulk Hogan, at the time known as Hollywood Hogan, was running NWO, they kind of split off. But I always thought that one was awesome. And a little G Pack side note for years and years, Dating back to my time as a player, they don't do it anymore. But Nebraska Wesleyan used to have that as their run-out song for basketball. (laughs) And so it was awesome. got me jacked up when I was a player, no doubt. So that one's definitely on there. I think you have to have Hulk Hogan. I'm a real American. That's Uh, a timeless classic, probably the face of wrestling for an entire generation and beyond. That one needs to be on there. I'm going to throw D-Generation X in there. Mm. I was a huge fan. There was obviously a little part of that we're not going to talk about that uh, was a big deal when I was in middle school and was actually banned from my middle school. And if you know wrestling in the 90s, you know what I'm talking about. And then my fourth one, and this is a bit of a wild card because there's so many good ones, I'm going to throw Ric Flair out there. Of course. Because a good Ric Flair, woo, is hard to beat. Right. And that was part of his entrance. That's my top four right there.
0: Uh, You brought up NWO. So when Sting went to NWO, Well, let me back up. I'm from Sheldon. I grew up in Sheldon, Iowa. In the library, every Friday night had something called teen scene. And this was for students in like sixth through eighth grade. And you'd go to the basement of the library, the public library, on Friday evenings. And they'd have popcorn and and stuff. And they'd play movies and pool tables and foosball tables. Basically, just ways to make sure they were keeping the impressionable youth of Sheldon, Iowa out of trouble. Sure. And in the library And so anyway, they had advertised that they were going to have the, the Halloween teen scene And so everyone was supposed to dress up And so some buddies and I thought, well, we're going to do this right And and so we, we of course, uh, went as, as NWO And I went as Red Sting I don't know if he had another name, but I was Red Sting So of course we get there And the four of us are dressed up And absolutely nobody else is dressed <laughs> up for Halloween teen scene. So we make a beeline to the bathroom to start go washing off all this face paint and flip our goofy t-shirts inside out and all this stuff. But what happens, in this This is something, it's just good life knowledge for everyone to know, if your face is covered in red and black face paint and you go to wash it off, especially if you're rubbing paper towels hard, you actually end up more red than you were beforehand. And so I walk out in teen scene and I have people asking, are you okay? <laughs> you look sick. <laughs> How did you get sunburned? It's October. And so uh, I've never forgiven red sting for that, for, for ruining my opportunity well i don't to think to you can in. hold that
1: against nwo well that well, might well, have been a you problem but uh it's a great side story you know, to the mount rushmore of my wwf entrance songs
0: yeah my therapist thought the same thing and it's something we work through but it's good to talk about it and and i do try to bring it up every couple of years so uh, if any of you who were there that night if i got a little defensive about you asking why it looked like i was running 105 degree fever i apologize and um, you know, reach out and let's get coffee. All right. So that was question number one. The next question from a former player, and also he he tagged himself a loyal a loyal listener. So this that is means he's one, one for one. one I'm in, for I'm one. excited. Which is a better statistic than he had at the free throw line.
1: Oh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued uh, now.
0: So, you know. alum Michael Collison
1: definitely better than his free throw question.
0: percentage. Can we get a definitive student coach ranking from Coach Figuera? Ooh. And he he does have some commentary that there'd be a lot of debate over two individuals in particular. But you know what? I think I'd rather just – and before you answer that question, what what makes a good student coach?
1: Well, number one, I think one of the biggest qualities our student coaches have to have, they have to be able to put up with a lot of crap from me. I'm going to give you a lot of crap. Is that true? I'm going Bobby? to talk a lot of trash to you.
0: Bobby's saying yes, it's true.
1: But in all reality, it's about reliability. It's about loyalty. It's about hard work. And we've been incredibly fortunate the entire time I've been at Briarcliff to have great student coaches. And I'm not going to answer Michael's question with a definitive, because it's it's impossible to do. We've had so many good ones. So we certainly stands out you know there's
0: been there's been a
1: lot of guys that many i'm gonna go in chronological order so my my first year here we had a guy named austin bush Uh, by all accounts he was a fine student coach he had one redeeming quality that guy could get a deal at a restaurant like you wouldn't believe and that's a, that's a great quality to have as a student coach because we have our student coaches call ahead and order all of our food for pre-game, post-game. And my big thing is we're not going anywhere if they don't give us a deal for bringing 20, 24 people in. And Austin Bush was unbelievable at that to the point of maybe a little rude with people, but he got results. From there, Jake Bilt was great, um, even though one time he was watching a high school football game instead of paying attention to practice. But but Jake was great. He set the bar really high. Um, Dom Schwader was on the same student coaching staff with him, and those guys worked really well together. From there, we had, we had Corey Hobbs and Jared Mao for a couple years, and they did a great job. Corey was definitely the best scout team student coach. We could throw him into a scout team, and he could function as a basketball player. Uh, Jake Bilt could not do that. Bobby's pretty average at best with that. you know. So that's where Corey Hobbs really stood out you know and now that brings me to our current student coaches bobby who's sitting here with us running some of the technology and, and ethan erdman who for those that don't know is is eric's twin brother and been a student coach with us this is his third year this is bobby's second year bobby's one of our elite golfers at briar cliff but um the, the, these guys do a great job too and bobby in particular he wants to get into college coaching, and so we're trying to find ways to get him more involved in the coaching side of it and maybe not so much just doing laundry and taking stats in practice but actually watching some film and trying to break some things down and, and, and all that. And, and those two guys do a great job. You know, I, I can give them crap. I can demand a lot of them. And And the biggest thing is, and this is going to go back to your first question, what makes a great student coach? I think more than anything – what makes a great student coach and why we've had great student coaches at Briar Cliff is because of their pride in the program I think all of them would say they felt just as mar- much a part of the program as the players did and, and I know that those guys take losses just as hard as the players do and that's been so awesome to see because I, I don't think that happens everywhere and and so that's been great for our program it's been great for me I give them a lot of crap but at the end of the day I know how valuable they are and have been to our program. And a fun little side note about this whole debate, because it it did kind of blow up a couple years ago, and there was actually a blogging war between Corey Hobbs and Jake Bilt about who was a better student coach. It got pretty interesting, gave me a good laugh for sure. But I think at the end of the day, this is a debate that doesn't have a definitive answer because you're splitting hairs. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. That was a a very good diplomatic answer by Coach uh, Sviguerra. And once Bobby leaves, we can talk a little bit Yeah, we'll really
1: bash Bobby when he's not listening in on the headphones to my left.
0: All right, now we'll do some shout-outs. And first, we'll start with a shout-out. We actually got through Twitter. This was from Jay Wright, former Briarcliff assistant coach Jay Wright, at j underscore Wright 20. He says, let's get a shout-out to the Ronimal, a.k.a. the Ron Schultz. The Ronimal. Is that an official nickname?
1: I think we'll call that unofficial. Okay. You know, Coach Schultz was a guidance counselor at Helan for quite a few years, is retired from that in the past couple of years. But a lot of the administration and teachers and coaches at Helan refer to him by that nickname, the Ronimal. And Jay Wright's one of those. He was the dean of students at Helan for a long time. But, uh, yeah, Coach Schultz, one of those guys, he could get a shout-out every week for what he's done for the program as a player and a coach. So right on, Jay.
0: I'll give a shout-out to the Bradcliffe women's volleyball team. They just went 3-1 and one out in the Denver area at the Johnson & Wales tournament. They beat Johnson & Wales University, Pacific University, and uh, George Fox University. So a successful business trip for those ladies. Yeah, it's a
1: great weekend for the volleyball team. You know, that's a put a lot of miles on, and, and it's not always that easy to spend 10, 12 hours in a bus and get your legs back, especially changing time zones, changing altitudes. So definitely shout-out to them for going 3-1 and one this weekend. You know, and I'm going to give a shout-out. I'm going to go a little different direction. I'm going to give a shout-out to our seniors in the basketball program because these first few weeks of school, the coaches haven't been all that involved because we can't officially coach the guys yet. And the leadership they've showed, the intensity they've worked with and demanded of other people is exactly what you want as a coach. And I think it set the tone for us to get into more basketball-specific things here these next few weeks.
0: Shout out to my son, six-year-old, first-grade flag football player, who uh, this weekend had a a 20-yard run, which converted to a 100-yard field is basically a 75-yard run.
1: Well, that's and great. And, and by hearing that, I'm going to make an assumption that athletic prowess in your family comes from mom.
0: Uh, yep, she was a track runner here at Briarcliff. Uh, I was an intramural, an intramural volleyball champion, just so we're 100% clear. I feel like what you just said was <laughs> – uh, a little bit of a backhanded compliment.
1: Absolutely, it was.
0: So I just want to make that clear. Um, and a solid intramural basketball performer. So just so everyone is 100% uh, knowledgeable on that.
1: That might be a whole topic for another show. We'll talk about
0: that another day. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he had a great run. Uh, had it caught his first pass, which, again, converted to a 100-yard field is probably something like an 80-yard gain, uh, and then he also played some, some QB and, and did did fine there. So uh, Coach Wagner, if you're hearing that, uh, give my son about, I don't know, 12 more years and he'll be ready to go for you.
1: I like it. All right, I've got one last shout out today, Matt, and that goes to Bobby Beach Patterson, our student coach who previously mentioned is sitting to my left running some of our technology. And he does take a lot of crap from me, took a lot from the both of us today part of it his own fault for being late but uh shout out to him for helping us out giving up part of his sunday to help us do this and uh, get this ready to go for tuesday's release awesome yeah and thanks bobby for helping us out here One
0: final shout out here. Uh, Kevin Pottebaum, the new Sports Information Director for Briarcliff University. He's sitting here in the room with us, actually. And we're going to try to get him involved as much as we can with the podcast. He's going to be our stats and information guy. And it sounds like he's actually maybe got some
2: uh, information for us here today. Kevin, what do you got? Well, uh, again, hello. This is Kevin Pottebaum. Um, and we talked about, you gave the shout out to the volleyball team. I think everyone on campus right now is feeling the excitement of the shout out to the Bradcliffe football team, starting off 2-0 for the, for the first time in program history. Um, just came away with a 29-point victory over number 25 Dakota State. And um, I know Coach Figueroa has some strong feelings about me saying it's a 29-point victory and not extending that more. But that's another story. But we, we were looking at that. and. So 29 points, second largest margin of victory in Barcliff football history, 30 is the most. Uh, so I was gonna challenge Coach to figure out how many times last year was your squad able to win by at least 30 points? That's a good
1: one, Kevin. And I, those people who know me, I'm kind of a stat dork and I have a great memory. Um, you might have me stumped. I think we had one. Am I close?
2: One is the correct answer. Okay. now the tough part comes, who was it against?
1: The one that sticks out to me would have been mid-February. We played Concordia at home and jumped on him early, and I'm guessing that's the one. Am I right?
2: He jumped ahead early and won by 28.
1: All right, so that's not it. You got me here. No, I know what it is. Early season, November, early in GPAC season, we beat Doan pretty bad here at at the Newman-Flanagan Center.
2: Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner, a 32-point victory on November 15th against Doan. So yes, there's one time you were so now the football team knows your biggest margin of victory last year was 32. They just won by 29. They gotta they gotta do at least a field goal. And my tie me- it.
1: my message to the football program would be go ahead and beat that 32. It's not gonna hurt my feelings. Let's do it, boys.
2: Well, I mean, we could go back two years ago for the largest margin of victory you guys had, and I'm not sure that the football team's gonna gonna get that as you. I doubled, know what that was. Doubled up Mount Marty, won, winning by 59 points. I'm not entirely sure that we're going to see that on the football field. Fun
1: side story about that game, actually. So my dad is a, uh, a former teacher, obviously follows us religiously. His goal every game is that we actually double somebody's score. And I remember sitting in that game, obviously it wasn't that intense in the, in the closing minutes, and looking at the score and hoping that we would end doubled up because I could call or text my dad and tell him, hey, we actually did it. So, fun side note there.
2: It was a, so it, w- that's what the football team can rely on. They got to double up there cuz they did better than that this last week, 49-20. They even more than doubled yeah, up there. Yeah, did opponents. it both weeks
1: actually. It's so valid. good for them.
2: 40 to 13 at Waldorf. Keep They're, it rolling. So yes, big shout out to the Briarcliff football team and you got to beat a team by at least 32.
1: Love it.
0: And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up uh, the second episode of BC Buckets. Like I said earlier, we want to hear from you and we want you to be involved with this podcast. So please reach out to us uh, over Twitter or via our email address at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. If you have a question that you think you can use to stump coach, uh, we want to hear it. And again, if you just have a shout out or want us to hear about something that's going on, we want to hear from you. So for Coach Marks Figuera, I'm Matt Gall. That's it for this episode. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Battle on Chargers.